Eric Kruger and Johnson A are out for the holidays. And you know what they say. When the cat's away, the mouse will play. Play an episode from the archives, that is. My name is Sean Lewitz, and you're about to listen to one of the most downloaded episodes of The Expansive for 2023. Right after this. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to the expansive podcast, Eric. Thanks so much. I must now start this podcast so unprofessionally, where we explore the frontiers of personal growth, business innovation, and technology. We believe that growth and progress come from expanding our minds, exploring new possibilities, and embracing change. Welcome to this week's expansive podcast, where we always making sure that you've got the most cutting edge details about how you can stay expansive while, and most importantly, having a laugh along the way. In fact, I'm on my family farm right now (laughs) and my family all listen to the podcast. And the favorite thing is how we riff and banter. And my mom actually scolded me and says, you know what, darling, I think you tease Eric too much. I think you should stop teasing Eric. There we go. <laughs> yes, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a typical thing a mom would say. No, man, be nice to Eric. I'm like, mom, that's not the point. The point is somebody must be picked on. I'm the picker. Eric is wow. the picky. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I think you should give a shout Come out to, to my mom. The inner ranks. No, no, yeah, yeah. give a shout out to sure. my mom. Give a shout out. <laughs> so welcome to the pod this week. We're very excited about it. Thank you for all the new listeners that are arriving. We're getting brand new listeners every week. Welcome to it. And I'm always, always uh, joined by my ever uh, handsome, um, not so good at paddle podcast co-host, Eric <laughs> Kruger. What's happening, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, better than you at paddle, oh, no, no. but, let's, but let's still not, go not there. great at paddle. Yeah? <laughs> we have to have a showdown. You saw the video we have evidence. To what, what, more, what more do you need yes, to see? Yes, you're right. You're what right. More do you need you're to right. See? You look yes. good on the video. Um, listen, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we played semifinals last night for the pedal for the men's A-League, and we, we lost. Uh, Tamsin, who was there, who's Yaku, so Yaku's my partner when we play, and uh, his wife was there recording us. And it looked phenomenal. She put together this like 30-second reel that makes us look like paddle rock stars. But like those were literally the only shots that we played <laughs> that were good in any any manner or shape or form. And so we lost badly. So I'm sitting here today a bit bruised in my ego, but very happy to be recording either way. What's been happening for you? Well, look, the video was so good that was on Instagram that I actually woke up this morning. My first message to you was, so did you win? Like, you must have won. That video was so good. I was actually quite surprised that you say you didn't win. I was like, what? I thought you won. That video was so good. So, you know, Tamsin's obviously the master of putting forward the best, the best foot, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, I'm up at the farm. Uh, the whole family's here, all the brothers and sisters. It's been fantastic spending quality time. I have been playing the sort of question one conversation game. You know, you ask one question and then the whole family gets turns to ask uh, and answer questions. It's been really mm. great. And um, yeah, being with my mom and dad up on the farm and, and <clears throat> some people that I've been speaking to on Zoom are like, I know that background. I'm like, yeah, the whole of COVID, mm. I was here sitting in this cottage yeah. and I'm back in the same <laughs> cottage of COVID. So it's nice. It's reminiscent to be back. And today is misty and cold because the farm is right up in the mountains. So waking up in the mist is always a very, very, very um, sort of nostalgic thing for me. And so I'm sitting here in mm. a big jacket and uh, 
trying to keep warm, but also excited for the pod today. And uh, any highlights, Eric, that you're looking forward to over the next week or two? Any Anything you want to share? Well, well, a very big thing that I do want to share is that we are now officially part of the Africa Podcast Network. Yes. Uh, which is a, a phenomenal, like just next step in the in the evolution of the podcast. Yes. So the yeah. Africa Podcast Network is, uh, they, or they play home to some of the biggest podcasters in Africa. So Mac G, Guzitian Bukwayo, and uh, as part of our, our global ambitions, uh, we've decided to just partner with the best, you know. So it's it's great to be a part of the network. So if you see in your news feed uh, or in your podcast feed that it's updated now to Africa Podcast Network, that that's where it's coming from, you know why. Uh, but apart from that, dude, around the corner is GLC. <laughs> and we are both going to be speaking at GLC, Entrepreneurs Organizations Global Leadership Conference. Yes, yes. We we Not only are we each speaking, we are having an expansive podcast discussion. Yeah. This is really one of the best things or the biggest things that's happened to the pod so far. We have 6,000 people apparently live watching an expansive discussion. And uh, really such a privilege. Uh, thank you to Hannah and Marcella, mm. From the EO network, uh, we really are big fans of you ladies. Thank you for being part of the pod and thank you for inviting us to be at the conference. We are very excited about it. I was a little bit taken aback when I was looking at my calendar. I didn't realize it was next, next week already, but bada bang, bada bing, yeah, it's, it's here already. <laughs> and so um, one, of, one of the future podcasts, maybe not the next one, but the following one will be the live recording from the GLC mm. uh, event. So, yes, man, we're doing some great strides in, uh, in growing the pod. And thank you again to all the listeners out there. But let's get stuck into today's pod. And it's all about psychological safety, one of my favorite uh, discussion points. And Eric is a master at this topic. So I'm going to hand over to Eric. And it's going to be a masterclass from Eric today on psychological safety. Hey, it's me, Sean, producer of The Expansive Podcast, and I've got some exciting news just for you. I know you enjoy learning from John and Eric, as do I. And now you can take your learnings to the next level. Join the Dynamic Duo for their engaging 90-minute webinars where they explore the impact of AI on personal life, career, business, and society. These webinars offer valuable insights into the challenges and opportunities of AI integration. As an executive, a creative, or an entrepreneur, you don't want to miss the chance to learn how to adapt and leverage AI capabilities for success in your organization. So don't wait. Book your exclusive webinar today by emailing us at training at theexpansive.com. One more time, that's training at theexpansive.com. And ensure that you're well prepared for the future shaped by artificial intelligence. Right, back to the episode. Yeah, thanks for that, dude. So let's start this discussion uh, going to Project Aristotle. So Project Aristotle was an internal study that was done by Google. And what they were doing, and I, I guess the fortunate thing is if you Google, you know, you have access to many, many people and many, many teams and lots of data points. But what they did is they said, we want to figure out what are the, the factors that lead to high performance in teams, meaning that our teams are very effective at what they do. And they looked at 180 teams across Google. And when they were done with the research, they found that there were five different factors that impacted team effectiveness. The first one was meaning. And meaning is that the work that I do matters to me personally. The second one was impact. And impact is that the work that I do matters to the world around me, to the people that I'm working with, 
to the people that use the products, services, etc. The third one was that there's structure in the team. And I find that often when I do work with teams, that's the aspect that we focus on because so many teams are unstructured. They don't know, you know, we put people together in a team and we start working together. And over time, we try and figure out how we're going to collaborate, but we never put the structures in place to say, this is how we collaborate. And so the third uh, thing that they found was that for a team to be effective, there needs to be good structure, processes, roles, all those kind of things. The fourth one was dependability. And dependability means, well, I, I kind of read it this two ways. One is that I can depend on you to do the work that you need to do. But the second way of reading it is also that I depend on the work that you need to do, meaning that I need us to come together when we do the work. Uh, there's an interdependence in how we do the work. And then the last one is psychological safety. And that then turned out to be one of the biggest things that we need to get right is there needs to be psychological safety in our teams. Now, what was quite interesting is that there were also many other variables that they looked at and that we would think plays a big role in our team effectiveness, but actually doesn't. And this was like the co-location of our teammates, individual performance of our team members, seniority, tenure, all these kind of things. So what's interesting is psychological safety emerges as one of the key factors for team effectiveness in this, in this Google study. But it's not the first time that we actually hear about psychological safety because people have spoken about it before. It was just, this was quite a big thing and it really uh, put psychological safety on the maps. Uh, but before that, we had Amy Edmondson, who you might, like, you might have heard of her. She is sort of uh, the one that, I, I guess, made it even more mainstream than Google before Google launched Project Aristotle. Before her, we had a guy called Khan, William Khan, who in the 1990s already spoke about psychological safety. And then before him, we had Carl Rogers, who was the founder of uh, the person-centered approach in psychology. So actually, psychological safety has been coming for a very long time. It was just kind of blown up when Amy Edmondson and Google started talking about it. But so that's a bit of background. The reason why I wanted to speak about psychological safety today is because I ran a workshop yesterday, and the workshop was supposed to be about team effectiveness. And as we started, I, I spoke a little bit about psychological safety and we ended up doing the entire workshop on psychological safety. So all the prep I did for the team effectiveness stuff, we didn't even touch. Everything was just about psychological safety. And it was for a, a board and an Exco team combined. And it just made me realize again that, you know, we can try and fix many things in teams, but it's very difficult to fix those things if we don't have psychological safety as the foundation. And by the way, I want to give a, a shout out here to Lucille, who is the general manager um, that I was working with at the, uh, for the two teams. And she's a long-time listener of the show. She was saying to me how much she loves the new format and the new look and feel of it and the, the sounds that have been added by the producer and Gerald. So uh, shout out to Lucille and thank you for the comments. Now, psychological safety is something I've been diving into for quite a while now, um, to the point that one of the flagship trainings that we are developing in modern breed is all around psychological safety. And again, it's because when a team contacts me to, to work with them, they'll talk about collaboration. They'll talk about leadership of the team. They'll talk about um, how do we align people in the team? 
And these are all good and well, but none of that can really happen if we don't have psychological safety. So what is psychological safety? In a very simple term, it is that you feel like you belong to a group and that if you speak up, you won't be cast out from this group. Now, specifically, what does it mean to speak up? It means that I can ask questions, I can raise concerns, I can share ideas, and I can admit my mistakes. Now, you can see how all of those things can be quite tricky in a team. You know? and, and in some teams, it might be easy to ask questions, it might be very difficult to raise concerns. It might be easy to bring new ideas to the table, but very difficult to admit your mistakes. So there are various levels, really, of psychological safety that then starts to emerge. So I'll pause there for a second. Um, what has been your understanding of psychological safety and what like, what like comes to mind for you when you hear that term? You know, <clears throat> Eric, I, firstly, I love the way you've broken it down so far. I've already learned quite a lot. And I think just confirmed a lot that I've had in my head. And, and I get this comment often after my talks is, John, you gave words to ideas and solidified them in my head after you explained them in that way. And I, and I just got that from you. And for me, I don't work with teams like you do. Everything that you've mentioned, I'm thinking about marriage and relationships and even mm. friendship mm. groups. And, you know, in some friendship groups, you have these antagonists that want to poke holes at everything anybody does. And there's no psychological safety in those friendship groups. I don't, I totally avoid those friendship groups. And when I was younger, there used to be often that type of badgering or mockery and so there was no psychological safety. And I, and, and I didn't know why I didn't like them. And now I know why, because you've just given me the language. I also had a very, very mm. good friend um, who was the COO of a very big company. And he had a very successful relationship with a lady. And it was like 11 years in the relationship, never been married, but really very calm. I mean, I was watching them and I was like, it's such a cool relationship. And I was like, what's your secret? And, and he said, look, you know, it might sound a bit weird, but we sign a contract every year together. And in it, I apply the exact same tools and rules that I do at work. Here's the responsibilities you have. These are the responsibilities I have. These are the deal breakers. These are the KPIs. This is what I think is good. This is what I think is bad. And you have just clarity in the relationship structure. Mm. And this is exactly what you're talking about. And I think not having a shared vision, not having clear responsibilities, not having the opportunity to speak your mind in a space that's safe is a disaster for a two-man team, which is a marriage or a friendship, even a friendship, all the way up to organizational mm. corporate structure that is ill-aligned. Now, think about America mm. and the Republican and the Democratic issue. Totally no alignment of vision. Totally no alignment of, of uh, ability to have psychological safety to say anything. And look what's happening. There's total chaos because of a lack of understanding of this. I think you should get hold of Donald Trump and go do some teamwork in the American government, Eric. That's, that's what I think your next phase is. <laughs> <laughs> but very um, good. I, I love what you're saying. I love what you're saying. And, and it's also true that uh, when, when I started diving into psychological safety, it framed my relationships in a different way. I started thinking about it in a different way. Is Am I creating psychological safety for someone in a conversation that we're having? And we had this discussion on the pod a while ago where we spoke about, you know, when you are uh, holding space for someone, you are hosting them in that space. Mm. And so in that space, are you creating psychological safety? The interesting thing is if you want to be very pedantic about it, um, 
you want to kind of say there's a difference between psychological safety and trust in that trust is something that's more one-to-one. I can trust you to confide in you. I can trust that you will do things that are in my best interest. But psychological safety is a property of a group that emerges over time um, where I feel like I'm included in the group and no matter what happens, I'm not going to be kicked out. If I and, and by the way, this doesn't mean that you are free of... Uh, of people commenting on, like, you know, I, I raise an idea. Not everyone's going to go, oh, that's an amazing idea, like, well done. It doesn't mean that all your ideas are accepted. It doesn't mean that when you disagree with someone that you are always the one winning the argument. It's just that the attitude and the approach to that conversation and to that space is one of acceptance and inclusivity. So I want to give you the seven measures that they use when they measure psychological safety, because this also gives you a good understanding of of what further what it is, right? So they have these sort of seven statements that they look at, and you need to either agree or disagree with these statements. And so the one is, if you make a mistake on this team, it is often held against you. Members of this team are able to bring up problems and tough issues. People on this team sometimes reject others for being different. It is safe to take a risk on the team. It is difficult to ask other members of this team for help. No one on this team would deliberately act in a way that undermines my efforts. And working with team members of this team, my unique skills and talents are valued and utilized. Wow, that's a lot. So you can hear how much, yeah, yeah, that's a lot to take it, yeah. That's a lot, yeah. And it has a lot to do with my ability to take risk, my ability to ask questions, generate ideas, raise concerns, and admit mistakes. Mm. Now, what's very typical is, and we know this, is our awareness around this is often quite low, that we feel like we are creating a lot of psychological safety, but actually we're not. Um, And to, I think, to, to drive that awareness, we need a tool like this to sit down and ask ourselves, are all of these things in place? Because, as I was saying earlier, you could have you know, people bringing ideas to the table all the time, and that's good, but it's not enough if they can't also admit mistakes, if they can't also raise concerns. So you need to know that it's not an all or nothing thing. There are different stages and different um, kind of volumes at which you can operate in terms of psychological safety. A very important thing to know is that psychological safety on its own isn't enough. Like, even though it's this, it, it kind of gets portrayed as this, magic or or silver bullet. You know, it's this thing that you're like, if you can get this in your team, then you have a high-performing team. It's not like that. It's just part of the equation. And there's a very important relationship between psychological safety and performance. And so I want you to kind of think of a a Y and an X axis, right? So on the Y axis, the up axis, we have psychological safety, and then we have performance on the X axis. So what we end up with is four different scenarios, low and low, low and high, uh, high and low, and high and high, right? So let me quickly take you through this. So let's say we have a situation where a team has low psychological safety and low performance. What do we end up with? We end up with a team that is full of 
Apathy, yes. <laughs> yeah. for, for our international <laughs> listeners. You might need to contextualise that, yeah. <laughs> for our South African listeners, ESCOM is the, is the governmental power supply that has been a total disaster and has caused many South Africans to leave <laughs> South Africa. But look, I also think that ESCOM's apathy has created an incredible privatisation of power and Companies of the companies and of households of the households are going off the grid because of it. So yes, okay, ESCOM, uh, <laughs> the failure of ESCOM. Yes, sorry. So apathy, but they actually they play a, a great example of this because um, is that a space where you can raise concerns and and tell people you know if something's going wrong or not? No, no. And so you'll you'll find that in in situations where there's been disaster, what is often the thing that's lacking is psychological safety. safety for people to speak up and say, this is what's happening. Yeah. So, but so that's one, right? So that's at the lowest here. Then let's say we still have low performance, but now we have high psychological safety. Mm. What we end up then with is comfort. Yeah, like a nanny so, state, like we all, mommy's we're boy. We're all sitting together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or like a, a family team sort of situation, mm. you know, where like mm. we all feel safe enough to talk about things and we raise issues, we raise concerns, but there's no real drive. There's no <laughs> yeah. ambition. Yeah. There's no pushing, you know. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. It's like psychological safety on its own isn't enough because all you'll end up with is mediocre performance in a, yeah. a company or a team that goes nowhere. Yeah. Then we move over to the other side and we have, uh, and this is where I think, most of the teams that we will encounter, encounter uh, where they sit, which is high performance, low psychological safety. Mm. And that is anxiety. Mm. That's where you have all this um, fearful performance, you know, like everyone's doing really well, but like they're kind of burning out. The relationships are taking strain. And it's because we can't speak up about the things that need to change in the team. So the final state, of course, then, is high performance. This is where we have high psychological safety and we have high performance at the same time. You can see how those things play out. Wow, what a fantastic... Yeah, jeez, how clear. Great, eh? So, so really, it's mm. just about ambition and psychological safety. It's like, what plans are we going towards and are we safe going there? Fantastic. And, and yes, I think what a, what a mm. simple formula for any successful relationship. I would even think, Eric, think about going on holiday with your wife or me with a girlfriend or with a friend. And you have the, okay, so what are the rules of this holiday? And if we want to change them at any, like you can apply this to pretty much anything um, that's got mm. two people involved, right? Then, uh, and more. But also one thing I wanted to make a comment on is, you know, I, I was having this discussion with a friend at Retreat Yourself. I went to this this uh, um, sort of festival a few weeks ago. And a very good friend of mine, Wenu, um, the way she gives you advice is by – and I was laughing with her because she doesn't know she's doing this, but she comes in and she breaks you down and then builds you up. And I said, you know, Wenu, <laughs> you know, there's a much nicer way you could come across by giving advice, you know. You don't have to tell somebody they're wrong. You don't have to tell somebody they did something bad. There could be a way to come in and say, you know, I really saw you did this. This was fantastic. But, you know, there's actually a better way of doing this other thing that I have noticed for myself. You know, maybe use mm. it in this way. And you just, you, you're coming in trying to up the person and focus on the yeah. positives. And, and so I think feedback is a skill 
that is often not taught and not understood because you think, well, I'm just being honest. It's not about being honest. It's about being uh, uh, elegant in your honesty. It's about being ambassadorial in the way you bring it across. And I remember writing a chapter in my book, Foresight, that the future of food will never be designed by angry vegans because angry mm. vegans are not about actually saving any animals. They're much more about prioritizing their emotional uh, outbursts, which means that they're emotionally very low in their intelligence. And if you really wanted to get people to be more kind to animals, you'd inspire them, not scold them. And this goes the exact same thing here is that, you know, your team – you having that vision is something that you need to keep checking in on, but actually giving feedback in a way that's constructive is an incredible skill that people can practice and become very aware of as well. And it's one of the cornerstones of creating a psychologically safe environment. One of the cornerstones. Um, what's interesting is when Amy Edmondson speaks about psychological safety, she says that psychological safety is not the goal, right? Like, go like the goal is still to to accomplish the mission of the team, but psychological safety is part of the way that we get there. And what's interesting to me is that the moment we start speaking about psychological safety, um, so I saw this yesterday, for example, the moment we all have that frame and we start realizing, oh, okay, actually moving forward, I want to make sure that, like, it's not the goal, it's not the goal goal, but it's the goal for the conversations that we are having. It's the goal for when we are in meetings. It's the goal for how we communicate change down into the organization is, are we creating psychological safety at each of these touch points? And you think about an organization, you know, big organizations that, that we typically work with, they have hundreds of touch points, right? From touch points with customers, touch points with teams, touch points with individuals, at people at different levels of the organization, there are so many different touch points. People that are being onboarded, people that are being let go, and so it's really important to think about all of those situations and ask yourself, how are we building psychological safety into these situations? Now, the catch-22 that comes with psychological safety is it's something that emerges over time. It's something that, that comes from us seeing certain behaviors. But the challenge is that we need to see those behaviors for psychological safety to emerge. Yeah. And so... You, you're sitting in a, in a conversation and you're like, so why do workshops fail so often? It's because we get people in, we expect them to raise concerns and admit mistakes, but the psychological safety of the team isn't there yet. And so we don't get to access those concerns and we don't get to access those mistakes. And we go, oh, but just like, just give it to us. And then someone's like, okay, but I made this mistake. And everyone goes, what the hell? Like, what were you thinking? Yeah. Like, what, how, you know? And so immediately what happens is we say we want psychological safety, but the moment someone exhibits that behavior, our environment, our culture, our collective way of responding to that squashes it. You know, and so, of course, yeah. we, we don't get to create it. Yeah. Well, you know, oof, that's such a <laughs> You know, uh, I myself am guilty of that because you ask somebody for honesty and it comes and you're like triggered. You're like, oh, my God, I don't know. Why did I ask for that? <laughs> I don't need that information. But my mom said something. <laughs> my mom said something to us, my brother and I, uh, many years ago. And she said, to her, she said to us, she said, I'm very sorry for making you liars. And my brother and I looked at each other and we're like, split my mom, and like, what are you talking about? She's like, you know, when I was, when you guys were younger, I asked you for honesty, but then every time you were honest with me, I would blow up. 
which meant you started mm. lying to me because you couldn't be honest with yeah. me. And I think, you know, this is important in teams, but geez, think about families and kids and wanting them to be honest, but then actually can't handling the, the, the honesty, you know? So yeah, what a, what a, mm. um, what a, what a fascinating uh, anchor and structure to think about every relationship that you have. Like, I think the complexity of teams at work might be the most complex because you don't love the people you work with. You might do, but you don't love everybody. For now sure. you've got to come in and not be triggered by, by some Muppet at work that's just got a totally different value system to you. And that's mm. a hard thing, you know. But to apply this to people you love, I suppose could be hard as well. But you have more emotional sort of um, – Emotionally invested. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Your investment mm. there. So you, you come in with that uh, much more aware to want to achieve that. At work, you're almost like under pressure to achieve. So you're like almost like whatever, man. Just keep keep going. Who cares? So to have that, to have that elegant approach um, takes a lot of work and makes you a leader's leader. You know, and I think about like Adrian Gore mm. from Discovery getting voted to become the CEO, CEO. I mean, that guy must be so highly intelligently aware to have such amazing people working mm. for him. And for years, I mean, he's, he's top dogs have been working for him forever. So his approach must be so beautiful. I mean, that guy's leadership obviously has seen such incredible success. So yeah, really great mm. framework, Eric. Yeah. Carry on. I'm loving this. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to wrap with, with three things people can start thinking about. Um, We'll do an advanced masterclass on, on the deeper levels of this. Um, this is all psych safety kind of 101 and helping people to just to understand the frame of it. Uh, there's a lot that can be done in this regard. And they, as you can see, um, there are layers to it and, and deep layers to it because we are dealing with uh, people's emotions. We are dealing with their vulnerabilities. We are dealing with transparency. So it's a, it's a, it's something that has to be approached carefully, I'd say. But here are three things I think that are good starting points. The first is that, and I say this to teams all the time, is we have to have shared mental models. We put people together in a team. Everyone has different ways of looking at things like psychological safety, confidence, goals, like all these different like, uh, things that we take for granted in teams that should be a shared vocabulary. It's not. You know, that's why we often like we'll... Um, We'll stress test, like, okay, this is my understanding. What's your understanding of it? Because even though we have the same word in mind, it means something very different to us. And so creating a shared mental model of something like psychological safety is important for a team that we know this is something that we aspire to, that we want to build into the organization. Cool. Now that we have that, even at a superficial level, I can know when we sit in a meeting and I see someone like uh, treat someone in a certain way that this isn't going to build psychological safety. And we can start calling those things out. And it becomes, that, that's the highest level, but it's easy. Like, that's how you get into it. The second is that I think we need to be very intentional in creating debrief sessions where we can talk about team dynamics, where we not just focus on the task of the team, but we're focusing on the team itself. And unfortunately, because we are so reactive to the work that, that happens and the environment around us, we tend to just be in that reactive state all the time, just focus on work, which makes sense because that's what we get paid for, you know. But I often speak about the performance zone and the learning zone. 
The performance zone is where we get the work done. The learning zone is stepping back and asking, how are we getting that work done? And especially, how are we getting that work done together? So even if you just spend maybe you know, an hour to two hours a month at various stages, it doesn't have to be in one sitting, to reflect on how we are operating as a team, that already also starts creating more psychological safety because we can talk about how we are showing up for each other. So that'll be number two. And then the third one is to really start thinking about how you are leading your teams. You can imagine that if you're a very authoritative, sort of like we do it my kind of way leader, it's not going to work. It's not In today's society, it's just not going to help create that psychologically safe space. And so what we actually need is more consultative and supportive leadership where people feel like they are valued, they are seen. And this is always a tough thing is that as a leader, you need to model the behaviors you want to see in others. So if core to the idea is trust and transparency and vulnerability, we need to see it in you as leader first. If core to the idea is that we want people to raise concerns and admit mistakes, then the way that you respond to those mistakes and you respond to those concerns that are being raised, that's going to set the tone for everything else. So in a nutshell, I think just to start making it more practical, those are the three things that I'd recommend. And then, like I said, we'll do an advanced version of this at, at another point. Let, let, me, uh, let me ask you, uh, how has this research and thinking affected your marriage? Yeah, in a, in a deep way. Um, I think I'm even more aware of my responses to to what Dan does. It's even affected with my my dogs, dude. <laughs> to be honest, like yeah. when I when I think of of Jaeger especially, I'm like, is he is he feeling safe in the space that I'm creating for him? You yeah, know? and like, so I think it it the the frame again. Um, it makes you want to act in a softer way towards people and not be so harsh in your response all the time. And especially when you're tired, especially when you're frustrated, especially when you're feeling overworked because you, you build up all the psychological safety over time, but just like trust, you know, if you snap at something, it like, it, it cuts it deep. It doesn't, it's not just like a, a small little tweak to that psychological safety. It, it breaks it down in a big way. And so I think I'm just more conscious of my responses all the time. Um, and I'm trying to create a space where, where she feels safe. I don't know how to actually articulate it in a different way. I'll need to think about it more. You know, I, um, I also am finding the same thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really like, I think it's just getting older. I think you're just maturing into realizing this sort of skill. And I wish it was taught young, like, you know, at school. Like, why is this not mm. taught at school to actually have friendship groups at school operate in a better way? And, you know, you said something mm. really important. And I think it's, I think we've covered this on the pod already is like, don't let yourself get tired because all those amazing mm. decisions you make, they all of a sudden go out, you know, and, and I've said this before is like, when I'm traveling after a very long flight, man. Just I just shut up. I just don't want to say anything to anybody because I know whatever's going to come out is mm. not going to be something I'm I'm going to be yeah. proud of tomorrow. So um, and uh, like very aware of of the difference between creating a psychological safe space and not, and realizing that the mm. long term effects of cracking or being triggered are just not good ones. So it's really about also 
managing your own state, managing your own energy, and also excluding yourself from engaging if you're not in the right state because you're now very aware Definitely. that you have an mm. Eckhart Tolle calls it uh, your body and your pain body. And when you get into your pain body, like retract because whatever's going to happen in your pain body is not going to have a good effect and you could break down mm. all the trust in the world. And I often feel very sorry for people that get road rage and then get arrested. It's like they just had a snap. They're not bad people. They just had a snap and that snap now has ended mm. up in trouble. And so it's really important to sort of clean the emotional slate so that the trigger points don't come as often or as easily and then become very aware that the trigger points are not your natural state. So don't make any decisions from there. And I think the more emotional clearing up you do, the more you become aware of the differences between those two states that you have. Most people who haven't done their emotional cleansing are constantly in that state. So they don't actually understand that there's a difference. Or maybe the odd state is the one that they calm in creating psychological safety, which is an unfortunate thing because you haven't created psychological safety for yourself either which is mm. obvious because you can't create it for other people. So yeah, I think mm. fascinating, Eric. I mean, it's fascinating. I've really, I've really enjoyed this. It's, it's helped me think about relationships in such a different way and to actually approach them in different ways, but also to, uh, as Snoop Dogg says, I'd like to thank myself for doing all the hard work because I've realized that <laughs> now, I keep quoting Snoop Dogg a lot on that because I'm starting to realize that <laughs> because I'm also, I'm, I'm arguing differently or I'm debating differently. I'm, I'm being triggered differently as I'm getting older and I've been doing a lot of sort of emotional work. So mm. it's also just confirming the fact that my own growth is also being confirmed as, mm. as you're going through this. Now, more importantly, um, how is this going to affect your paddle game? Because, I mean, it's in the pits at the moment. <laughs> how is this uh, psychological safety going <laughs> to we we're working on that tomorrow, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, a full day workshop um, on paddle safety. <laughs> I, I wanted to quickly just say two things before you wrap us up. Um, yesterday I was walking with so I had a like a busy, busy week. We launched a, a thing for PepsiCo this week. Mm. We like lots of research, lots of client meetings. And yesterday I was walking with Axel in the afternoon. Uh, I took them to the park, Axel and Jaeger. And I got home and I'm like, Geez, Axel's just been irritating me so much today. Like he's just not listening. It's not like blah, 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 like going on. And then I was like, actually, it's not that he's irritating me. It's just that I'm irritable. Yes. Because I've not been sleeping. Yeah. And like actually he's done nothing. He's not changed his behavior <laughs> in any way. It's exactly how he always is. Stubborn Malamute. But like it it was me. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm glad you brought that that point to the conversation as well. That it is uh, you have you must have the self-awareness and that it is your responsibility ultimately to create psychological safety um, wherever you go. And what I just want to say on that, on that note is I remember the first time I heard about psychological safety and I remember my immediate response to it was, no, not for me. And the reason why I felt like that was because it was at the time when safe spaces were such a big thing. And actually when I was reflecting on it this morning and preparing for the pod, I realized I haven't heard that, that phrase in quite a long time. I don't, I don't know about you, but I haven't heard about safe spaces and all that in a while. But anyway, when, when psychological safety was first time introduced to me, it was during that time when it was all about creating safe spaces for this and that and whatever. And my immediate reaction was no, because a safe space to me feels like 
there's no challenge there. That like this is a place where you can come and be coddled. And like here in this bubble, no one's going to disagree with you. No one's going to argue with you. It's just going to be like you fine here. Like don't worry about the external world. And so that was my first frame. And then once I actually started realizing, okay, this is the thing I need for teams and I, and I started diving deeper into it, I realized, oh, okay, wait, it's not that. It is that I can disagree with you like vehemently, if that's the right, is it vehemently? Vehemently. I can see the word in my head. Yeah, I so can I. I don't know. So <laughs> just say something else. I can disagree with you as much as I want, as much as I want. Intensely, intensely. <laughs> yeah, intensely. And, um, <laughs> and we can still have a psychologically safe space. Yeah. And so my understanding of it actually has actually come quite far. And I do think what it ends up as is a mature way of treating other people. Yeah. That's what psychological safety is. It's mm. a mature way of us disagreeing and coming together and, and realizing that we are all on different paths, but we have to come together to achieve certain things. Mm. And in that coming together, I value your input. I value your disagreement. I value your honesty and your transparency mm. in us trying to build something that is meaningful. Mm. Oh, what a really fantastic, Eric. Really, I, 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 I haven't enjoyed a pod that much since my own masterclass. No, I'm kidding. That was a really good <laughs> pod, podcast. <laughs> not kidding, not kidding, not kidding. No, no. <laughs> no, I loved it. I really, really loved it. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. Um, to everybody out there, thank you again for joining us. Uh, again, welcome to all the new listeners. Uh, we are on a mission to bring this expansive podcast to a global audience. Uh, we have got many plans in the background. We are working quite hard on developing brand new approaches. We look forward to sharing them all with you. If you think this pod was great, please leave us a review on Spotify or on Apple iTunes, we always uh, welcome them and appreciate them. We're over 240 at the moment, which was just so, so just delighted with. You know, also we're sitting on a 4.9% average. Um, I've just redone my website and I was just going through some of the the feedback and uh, I don't often read them, but uh, just, just beautiful. And thank you everybody for doing that. Mm. Uh, we are on YouTube. So if you'd like to go over to YouTube as well to watch the pods and not just listen to it, please do go there and subscribe to the channel. We'd really appreciate that as well. As we grow this podcast to become a global uh, force for good and expansiveness, all your help in sharing the pod, liking the pod, and making comments on the pod are always appreciated. Until next week, stay expansive. Stay expansive.